0: You know, it doesn't hurt us to go back to the old things sometimes, to read the old poems, uh, to sing the old hymns, to do. You know, I like all the new stuff. I'm an early adopter of things. But it's it's interesting for me to see those kind of cool things. So I want us to think about the chaos we encounter. So today, you personally may be prone to chaos, but I assure you the world is. You may not have that problem. There are people that if they don't live their life in chaos, they don't know what is going on. Uh, it doesn't take much for pandemonium to take over and everyone's life has been turned upside down. Every one of us in this room is experiencing that to some point. Um, our world is different. We have people here today that are setting apart, that would be sitting right next to each other. We have people that are wearing masks that would never wear a mask anywhere. We have people that are, are washing their hands. And speaking of that, Johnny pointed out our power outage, the bathrooms on the northwest side are dark. So I know I would say for the guys that probably doesn't make much difference but we stay out, it needs to be clean, okay? So hey, those bathrooms don't work, these do on the south side. So it is life, it is what it has, so just go with the flow. You know the world around us isn't as stable as we'd like for it to be. I'm not talking about just politics and the weather and things like that. Some of you are seeing that happen day after day in your own personal life. You see it in your marriage, in your family, and in your business, in your job. The world is becoming increasingly unstable. And there's just a whole lot of shaking going on, as the old song says. It doesn't matter how together you may be personally, because chaos still will affect you. So what do we do when chaos comes to our world? When our world comes crashing down, how do we respond in a biblical sense to the chaos around us? That's what it's about today. So I want you to consider the chaos you encounter. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 27. We're going to kind of fly through some of this stuff here. In Acts 27, it's a little different sermon and aspects of things you will see and do. But we're going to talk about the chaos we encounter. Now, the Apostle Paul uh, was on a ship in the middle of a storm. Uh, in this chapter, he's been caught, he's going to Rome, to face, he must be, go before Caesar, he's appealed to see Caesar. He's going to end up on the Isle of Malta after, in chapter 28, where he gets bit by the viper. Uh, and all those kind of things, you can kind of read the chapter before and after to get the feel. But here you're going to begin to understand and to see what really happens in chapter 27, and and it's so full of everything when you you read through it. The events of this story parallel the steps I think that we need to take in order to respond to the chaos we encounter. Paul's life was in chaos, and we're going to see how he responded. It's something we can learn too. Now, just a note, when you read your Bible sometimes, if you get to chapter 27, you notice it moves from the I's and me's to the we's. So he says, he did this, he did that. Now, the writer, and you remember who wrote Acts? Anybody remember? Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts, same one that wrote the book of Luke. It's actually the second part of the book of Luke. It's the story of the church. Uh, So as Luke is writing this book of Acts, now he changes it to we. So we know that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is along for the ride, even on the ship. And that's why I think there's such great detail. So when Paul got into this boat, his life was already chaotic. He was on his way to Italy to stand before Caesar, possibly to be sentenced to death, which he eventually was. The chaos at this time in Paul's life was not his own doing. In fact, he had been faithful to preach the gospel. The chaos was the result of the fallen world in which Paul and a government that was hostile to the teaching of Jesus Christ existed. The same world that you and I have today. If you don't believe that we better pray and take every concern that we have for our Christianity, things are not like they are normally. The the new cultural changes that we're going to see that they're trying, not they, because whoever they is, that are being pushed by different groups uh, are scary. It may be scary to you. Oh, it won't get here. It won't get here. Uh, In my short, in the last five years, we've seen things happen here that we would never thought would have happened. Pray that God's hand will be upon it, that if it does come to those we can't preach like we once did, that we'll be strong and be faithful as Christians to proclaim the gospel. So Paul boards this final ship. Things go from bad to worse. It has 276 people, when you read the scriptures here, a bunch of cargo, and they're heading out at the tail end of the sailing season. In fact, they shouldn't really be going. And they ran into some troubling weather, and no one really knew how to handle it until Paul stands up uh, at the very end here, and you'll get to it. So here are three observations about the chaotic situations I want to draw your attention to. First is simply this, chaos will never fix itself. Chaos never fixes itself. You can't always count on others to do it for you either. Uh, The problem is it just rarely goes away on its own. Usually things get worse. As a ship has sailed into the storm, they couldn't just cross their fingers and hope the storm wouldn't do what a storm does. Uh, They needed to plan, they needed to act, they just weren't willing to do it. And the ship went ahead and sailed on into the troubled waters. Paul warned them in Acts 27.10 when he says, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. So Paul has already given them a warning about what is going on and why we need to deal with that. It's going to be disastrous. He wanted them to put the brakes on and to wait for, for out the storm and spend the winter where they were because the waters were considered unnavigable in the late fall and early winter. Now, you're talking about boats that were totally different than what we have today, and still you wouldn't take ships out today in this kind of storm. Luke writes in Acts 27, 11, these words, the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Now, I find it interesting when I read through that, I thought, okay, why is Paul even having a seat at the table with these guys? You see it? You ever think, it's okay to ask questions like that to Scripture. Why is Paul even, hey, you're just a slave. What are you doing talking to make the decision makers? Well, Paul had a lot of experiences on ships. You read his history. He's been shipwrecked multiple times. He traveled the world, uh, all those kinds of things. The, the centurion recognized Paul for who he was and gave him special privileges, and you read that earlier in the chapter there. Well, the advice was to go ahead, and when I read through that, there are three phases that I keep looking at that just kind of smacks me and says, ouch, the first phase is in Acts twenty-seven nine. Look what it says: "Since much time has passed, since much time has passed, and the voyage was now dangerous because the the fast was already over." So Paul's telling you what time of year it was. It's in the winter months. Um, it's not time to go. So isn't that what chaos does to us? It's the ultimate time killer. Until you find a way to confront chaos, you'll just keep losing time. You ever feel like you're in chaos? You know, Jane was gone all week for a training, so I kind of had the house to myself and had my own way of doing things, had the dogs and I were in our own order. We were getting everything clean so she can get home, and then Krista's uncle passed away, and she and Tyler went to Texas, so we have, we're blessed with our two grandsons. Landed in, in uh, uh Everett, the four-year-old. And if you go to her house now, it's perfectly straight and clean. Um... I don't know, you might find one room like that, I kind of doubt it. Have you ever had a four-year-old and an eight-year-old? It's fun. Legos here to step on. Uh, Even the dogs try to hide and find a quiet spot, so you know that's when it's pretty bad. Uh, To have the energy of the four-year-old, I would love it. Chaos, loving chaos. Chaos doesn't always have to be bad. But we live in chaos. We get there all the time. But notice that that much time had passed. They, they waited too long to make a decision. You need to make a chaos in your life. If you wait to make those decisions, much time will pass. I don't know if you can, my mic's acting up today. Ben, is that other mic picking up? Okay, hopefully to pick up, switch across. There we go. So much time had passed. Now, another place that it jumps out at me when I read that there's a ship in verse 15, 27, 15 says, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. In other words, they were just blown about by which way. When you read through that later on, they drop anchors and try to do it. But here they are just tossed about by the winds of chaos. How many times have we been in the same situation? We just give up, give in to the problem, instead of trying to fix it, instead of trying to face it, instead of trying to deal with it, we're just too tired to fight back, too discouraged to resist. We just let the situation drive us along until it gets worse and worse and worse. And here's another phrase that jumps out when I read through this. In verse 12, Paul told the leaders what they needed to do, and here's what Luke writes. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there, and on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, the harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Another good leg of the journey that had a slim chance of getting through. Folks, the majority isn't always right. There are certain situations when the majority is the last group you want to listen to. This hive mind mentality of the majority rarely moves you in the direction of wise decision making. And hive mind, somebody said, You mean the Borg? Yeah, that's a Borg. Uh, it's actually high mind is an actual word but it's actually a borg related thing. So if you know who the borg is, you Star, star Trek people will understand. One mind and everybody follows along like drones. We see that even in our world today and in our own country. It's scary. Be careful when you follow the majority. Make sure the majority's right. There will be times that you must stand alone. You must stand against the tides of public opinion and choose to do what you know is right rather than what everyone else does. Chaos will never fix itself, you know. Most of the time you can't count on the nameless day to come in and rescue you, so what can you do? You know, I always tell young pastors and others that come to me for advice on, you know, the old gray hairs I've got now, What, what would you do again? What decisions would you make? Early on, I I had two main things I did. I always decided, choose carefully on which hills you're willing to die. There are certain things that are absolutely willing. You just got to plant your feet and stand firm. The Bible's God's word. It is truth without any mixture of air. You just hang with the Bible. You know, you're not going to get me to preach anything else. Um, and I always tell myself, too, you can spend all day pl- digging up a stump. Some days you just better plow around it. That's my old southern roots. Uh, Some people look at me like I'm nuts when they were out of the city. I said, okay, let me put it this way. How much effort does it take to fix that situation or to move this around and you get wasted six hours and you're no further along? Come back to it when it's blown over. Some decisions aren't that important. Some are. You have to learn wisdom to know which or what. So what can you do? The next observation here is not just chaos will never fix itself, but acknowledge that God is in control. We must acknowledge God is in control. Even when the most out-of-control situations, God is not the author of chaos. He's the redeemer of chaos. God is not the author of disorder. He is the redeemer of disorder and destruction. So, Glenn, what about the storms? Does God create the storms? Did he send them to punish people? How would that explain? We have all these kind of questions. Others say, well, God did it to punish people. Well, Others say, well, it's global warming that causes all the storms. Okay, it does it really matter. Storms are storms. We live in a fo- fallen world. The bottom line is this. We live in a fallen world. God is there. The presence of his people is there to redeem the situation, to lead others to God, no matter what you and I face. We can control some of the things. We don't know why it happens. Sometimes we just don't have the answers. But Paul reminds us and his fellow passengers that regardless of how things may appear on the surface, God is in control. And something we need to hear in our own hearts, in our own mind today, in the world in which we live and dealing with. So when things were at their worst, God gave a word to Paul that he passed on to everyone else. Look at Acts 27, 25. He says, so take heart, men, for I have faith in God, it will be as exactly as I have told you. And in verse 35, you can read through that there. I didn't didn't want to read all that for our time's sake. And when he said these things, in verse 35, he took bread and gave thanks to God. In the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. You know, the best thing you can do when you're in an out-of-control situation is to acknowledge above and beyond everything else that God is still in control. His being in control doesn't mean we'll never face hard times. It doesn't mean we'll never encounter chaos. It doesn't mean we don't know which way to turn at times. It means that despite the disorder of everything that's around us, despite all those things, he's there. As Isaiah 59.1 puts it this way, Behold the Lord. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear dull that it cannot hear. God's message to the Apostle Paul during the midst of this storm is, You will get through this. You're going to have to stand before Caesar. And by the way, all the guys on the ship with you are going to make it too. It's going to be easy, but it's okay. And God took control of even the most out of control situation and brought it about for his glory. So when you look at those first two observations that chaos is about to fix itself, that God is in control and can redeem chaos. So where does that lead us? Here's the third thing. Take charge whenever and wherever you can. Take charge whenever and wherever you can. Luke uh, twenty-seven twenty puts it this way. When neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days and a small tempest lay upon us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Luke writes for 14 days. You read that elsewhere there. It's dark. Have you ever been in a storm when it's daylight or dark and you don't know which is coming and it's just nasty and the lightning comes and those, I mean, it's just horrible. If you don't like storms, I'm a storm Person, I like storms, so I'm one of those idiots that wants to watch stuff. Uh, But most people are terrified of them, and they're powerful, and they are unique, and they're there. But can you imagine for a long period of time that happening? You know, you've seen it gray when the sun doesn't shine. You can't put your sun tea out. You do all that kind of crazy stuff. Well, those happen. Those storms come. At some point, Paul basically said, in effect, gentlemen. I hate to tell you I told you so, but you should have listened to me. Maybe this time you will. And now he goes on to tell them what to do. You may not be able to still the storm as it squalls in around you. You may not be able to change the tide of public opinion. You may not be able to change the economy or to control what some political leader might do. You may not be able to control what your family does or your boss or your consumers or your customers or whatever. You cannot control certain things. The only thing you can control is you. You can control you. And you can speak the voice of leadership and set the example of leadership to those around you. And here's another phrase in our text that really jumped out at me too when I read that. In Acts 27, 33. As the day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, Today's the 14th day, and you've continued in suspense without food having taken nothing. For 14 days, you didn't know which ends up, and you quit eating. Many of us know what it's like. It, you, know, uh, you know, it's lasted a lot longer than that, the chaos that creates the nagging things in our own lives. So what happens to those things that, that really create those nagging things in our own lives? Well, Paul talks about that. You know, he talks about those crazy things that get to us and leads us this way. So here are some three things that I think Paul encourages us with that I want to encourage you as we close out. First, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Acts twenty-seven thirty-four says it this way. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. Paul is saying, okay, are you ready? We've got something to face ahead. We're in the midst of a storm. The storm hadn't stopped. The crisis had been going on for two weeks and wasn't over, almost but not yet, and the best thing they could do was to pause and to eat. Now, many times when people are in chaos, the first thing people do in a crisis is stop taking care of themselves. Either they don't eat, or on the other hand, they stuff themselves with unhealthy food, or either they sleep all day, or they watch TV all night and all day, they don't sleep. Either they completely withdraw emotionally or they blow up at every little thing and their anger just goes pow. Or they try to medicate the situation with alcohol, drugs, food, and shopping, and sex, and any of the number of other things people use to dull their senses. If there's chaos going all around you, if you're in a constant state of not knowing what will happen next, take care of yourself. Eat right. Go to sleep at night. Take a walk every day. Get up. As I've told people in this midst of this crisis, when we were home and encouraged to stay home, you got to get out of bed, take a shower, get dressed, pretend you're going to work, do just the same things you did before, and you'll make that day better. Now, I'm speaking from experience. There were days I didn't want to even do that. I just want to hang around, lounge around, kick in my chair, drink my coffee. I I did get up and make coffee, but don't make me do anything else. But that gets old pretty quick. Do your normal stuff. Take care of yourself. That's what Paul's telling them here. But then he says, lighten the load. So you want to deal with your own chaos? Here's what you can do. Take care of yourself. Lighten your load, Acts 27, 38 says. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now, they've already thrown all the tackle. They've already lo- done everything they can do to save the ship. Now they've thrown all the cargo out. So all everything they have worked for to save is gone. All their profits just are floating in the water. All the work is for nil. They didn't need it anymore. Instead, they needed the ship to be lighter so they could get closer to shore. Sometimes there's something about a crisis that helps us to find what truly matters, what we really need in order to be strong. There will be times when it's necessary to separate ourselves from unnecessary clutter and useless baggage. Stuff is stuff. If you have moved lately, you know what I'm talking about. You know, when we moved from the Parsonage, one of the funny things was there was a box Well, we lived there 20-something years, how many years, 22, 20, I don't know, 20-something years we lived in the Parsonage, there was a box we had never even unpacked, and I dare say that it probably wasn't unpacked from the time we moved from Holiday Drive to where we lived before, you know, so probably 25 years, I had a box of stuff that had never even been unpacked, none of you ever had that, did you? Some of you haven't even moved. When you live in a place long enough and move, you'll discover, ha, huh, that's where it was. It was old photography stuff. I knew what it was. I just, saw so when we, the dumpster, I just stood away and cried a little bit, just a tad. Thought, why didn't I, why'd I haul this stuff all up here anyway? Useless baggage. We all have it. Now, all of us have some amount of clutter in our lives. Maybe it's a friendship or relationship that isn't leading us in a good direction. Maybe it's a financial obligation that is draining all of our resources. Maybe we're wasting our time in an unproductive area of our life trying to figure out something that's just not going to work. All those things that prevent us from doing the things that matter the most. We choose what's good sometimes instead of what's best. Lighten your load. You may not be able to control the elements of the storm around you, but you can strengthen your position and lighten your load. Look at your life, ask yourself, what do I really need? What matters the most? What can I do without? Lighten your load in these times. Get rid of some of the clutter. Now finally, Paul encourages them, not only to take care of yourself, to lighten your load, but he says, get ready to do your part. Acts 27 through 44, we're going to look at here. We often want God to come into our difficult situation and rescue us. Make everything right. Just zap us up and haul us to the island right now. Hey, we don't want to get out of the boat. You just pick us up, put us on the beach, stop the storm. We don't want to be inconvenienced. That's not the way it works most of the time. The boat was approaching the shore, and Acts 41 through 44 says this. Acts 27, 41 through 44 says this. But striking a reef, they ran to the vessel aground. And the bow struck and remained immovable. And the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill all the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. And he ordered all who could swim, jump overboard first. Get to the beach. And make for land. And the rest of you, grab a plank or a piece of the ship. And notice the last Verse here, our last sentence. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Wow. They were so close, yet yards away. Still in a bit of danger. What did they do? In the midst of chaos, when there are times, you'll have to swim sometimes. You'll have to swim with all your might to make it. There are times you'll just have to hang on to a plank and ride it out. But you need to do all you can do in order to get to the safe shore. God can get you through any chaotic situation because, think about this, you are immortal until your work is done on this earth. God has a plan and purpose for you, and not until you complete your plan and purpose in your life on this earth will he call you home. As a Christian, that's why he leaves us here, to tell others about him. He has a plan and purpose for us to serve him. Why do you think God would leave us here after he has saved us? We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his voice. You're going to have to do your part. You're going to have to swim. You're going to have to grab some driftwood and dog paddle the final 200 yards. And that ain't easy those who stand in a strong culture of chaos and those who refuse to surrender to the chaos. They won't give up and give way to the storm or let it drive them along. And though they may momentarily be a victim of circumstances, they refuse to remain a victim of any kind for any time because they know that God is in control. They know that he will see them through no matter whatever comes their way. For this reason, even during an extended season of not knowing, Those standing strong can say this. I'm prepared to do my part. I'll take care of myself. I'll lighten my load. I'll swim as far if I need to swim. I'll hang on if I need to hang on. God's promises will see me through. You have no control over the chaos around you, but you do have control over you. So whatever you can, whatever choice you make, set an example and be willing to do your part. God add his blessings to the reading of his word today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for our time together, for the ability to be here, to hear from you. Encourage us, strengthen, and guide us. Lord, we are in chaos, but you're right there with us. In Jesus' name, amen.